Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. Now, if you are like, look, I don't believe in the company, I don't believe in the product, then yes, you gotta go. Because the only way that you are really gonna come to the sales call with an expectation to close the deal, with a passion and excitement, is if you believe in the offer. Hey, U-Turners, it's Ash here, and I have a special guest who is my friend. Her name is Rachel Luna, and she has her own podcast, and her listeners, I just found out, call her Lunatic, and she calls them Lunatics, so that's really fun. She's a former U.S. Marine, so we share our little counterterrorism roots. She's a best-selling author, and most of all, she's a sales mindset strategist, and she's here to talk to you about how to upgrade your mindset in sales. And so I figured this conversation could be really powerful, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in the workforce, because let's face it, we're always an ambassador to a brand, whether it's our own or whether it's the company we're working for. Um, So before we get into all of that jazz, I wanted to make sure you knew that Rachel Luna is doing an event called Confidence Activated, um, May 31st to June 2nd weekend, 2019. She is a true boss at really helping you get confident, whether it's in sales or in life. And that's why her podcast is called Real Talk with Rachel Luna, right? She's got all that real talk and I am planning on being there in Atlanta, Georgia. So all you need to do to get your ticket is to go to ca.confidenceactivated.com. That's C-A, like Canada, ca.confidenceactivated.com. Hope to see you there at her event. And now let's get into the show. Rachel, tell everybody how awesome you are and how you got to this great point of all the sales. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Well, I don't, I I do think I'm awesome. I don't know how I could express that other than to invite your friends to get to know me and experience it for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) And her Instagram handle is at girl confident. If you want pure entertainment. (laughs) Yes. At girl confident. My stories today were actually really good. I was proud of them. Um, (laughs) I put my foot in those stories. Okay, so let me answer your question, kind of clear and direct. Um, it is a, quite a bit of a long story, but I'm just going to give you the, the shortcut of it all is that I became a certified professional life coach back before people even knew what life coaching was. And I remember telling people, like, I'm a life coach. And people were like, what the hell? Like, what do you know about life? I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to help you fix yours. And then... My husband looked me in the eyes and was like, I don't believe in what you do. And that was a whole hot mess express of an emotional roller coaster. 
<laughs> and so I struggled in the beginning of my business because number one, I didn't know anything about messaging. When I got my life coaching certification, they didn't teach me how to build a business. They just taught me how to coach. And by the way, I have some very strong opinions about that. I think that you, if you are calling yourself a life coach, you should be taught how to be a life coach mm -hmm. because there's a difference between being a mentor, a consultant, and a coach. And so a coach really knows how to ask powerful questions. A coach really knows how to listen, not just for the words that are being said, but for the underlying syntax that's happening. So I knew how to be a coach, but I did not know how to be an entrepreneur. And so I spent a lot of time messing things up, launching things that didn't sell, feeling a lot of imposter syndrome, feeling like a fraud, because here I was trying to help change people's lives and empower them, but I wasn't making any money. Mm -hmm. I don't really recall what the actual switch was, other than maybe something that you shared in my show, Ashley, was I knew that I couldn't keep going the way that I was going. And if I didn't figure it out immediately, if not sooner, I was going to not only miss out on my own dream of being an entrepreneur, but I was also going to miss out on the opportunity to serve a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I had been put on this planet to serve, to entertain, to educate, to really encourage and empower people. So I just changed my mindset mm -hmm. is what happened. Mm -hmm. it, I did not take any sales courses. To this day, I have never taken a course on sales. What I did was I changed how I felt about the sales process I changed how I felt about my business. I changed how I felt about inviting people to work with me. I changed how I felt about my offers. And so I discovered that once I got out of my own way and I stopped worrying about what everybody else was going to say, once I let go of the guilt and shame and all the feelings of being sleazy or slimy or salesy and just focused on serving people and letting them know that I had something and making it easy for people to give me money, then... It turned around. And so I started helping people change their lives. And then um, somebody wanted me to come in and talk to their team and coach their team, like empowerment stuff. And I did that. And then this was a network marketer. Their team started crushing it. She ended up becoming in the top 10 of her um, MLM company, like the top 10 out of hundreds of thousands. Wow. And she shouted me out. And that was really like my moment. right? Mm -hmm. And by the way, people always say like, what was the turning point? What was your luck? There wasn't one turning point. There have been at, at every stage of the game, there's a different turning point. There's a different little sort of thing that sets you off mm -hmm. into a different trajectory. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that set me off was changing my mindset. Then the second thing that set me off was helping someone and unlocking and activating her potential. And because I did that for her, she did that for people on her team. And then she got to the next level. When she got to the next level, she told everybody out there that she could never have done it without me. Mm. And so then other people started to say like, they thought, oh, well, what's the magic weapon? And that is what a lot of people call me is like their secret weapon, the best kept secret. And I have to remind people all the time, like I am not the secret weapon. You are. Mm -hmm. You just haven't figured out how to get locked and loaded and how to aim in on that target. We're getting very military up in here. Yeah, that's what's up. And so from there, you know, more people started to seek me out for sales and mindset and business coaching. And then I helped another person 
become, you know, hit the millionaire circle. And then I helped another person. And then I helped another person. And every time I helped one person, they told other people about me. Mm. And I want to remind you that, that do not underestimate the power of helping and serving one person. Because I hear a lot of ungrateful people, I'm calling you out because that's what I do. But a lot of <laughs> a lot of entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs are like, well, I only have 100 people on my list. I only have 50 followers. I only, I only. And what you forget is that you have 50 followers. You have 100 people on your list. You have an audience. And so there are 50 people that you could change, whose lives you could change. There's 100 people whose lives you can change. There's one person whose life you can change. And if you change their life, if you help them, they are going to tell people about you. And it's just going to build upon there. So that that's how I am where I am today. You know, I love this because I think a lot of listeners, they are in the workforce, but they still really want to get to a place where they can start something on the side that helps them make money. And the bottleneck of that is often, or not the bottleneck, but the barrier is sales. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, what do you think is going on in society and in people's minds that keep them from just stepping into being great at it in the first place? Two things. Number one is their lack of identity, which, you know, I spoke about this past weekend at that live event that we were both at. So number one is lack of identity. And number two, it is fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. And the first, let me speak on this first part on lack of identity. Um, A lot of people think that what they do is who they are um, or that the roles that they fill are their identity. So I'm a mom, I'm a, whatever your corporate job is, I'm a Marine. And so, and I remember that when I was in the Marine Corps and then I got out, I felt this loss of identity because I didn't know who I was without having the Marine Corps. And so you have to recognize that what you do is not who you are. It's not your identity. It's just a role that you're filling right now. And if you could get on board with accepting your identity, which is comprised of your beliefs, your ideals, and your values, who you desire to be, how you wish to be seen in the world, how you wish to show up in the world. Once you recognize who that is, then it's easier for you to show up authentically. But because so many people are stuck in, and this is what I hear all the time, I'm not making the kind of money that I want to make, so who am I to sell anything? Who am I to make promises? And you're thinking about it the wrong way. You're thinking about it as in, it's about you. And it's not. It has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the person that you want to help. So if you started focusing on, well, how can I be of service to you? Now, this is where the identity comes into play, because if you're not clear with your identity, you will, the answer to that question for you will be, I don't know. I don't know what value I bring. Then I would challenge you and say, well, do you not know, or have you not taken the time to think about it? Or have you thought about it, but the answer scares you? Mm -hmm. And a lot of time we'll use the words, I don't know, when we're not ready to admit the truth or when we haven't spent time thinking about the answer. It's a filler statement. And I want to challenge you, my friend that is listening right now, the next time someone asks you a question and you want to start saying, I don't know, rather than say, I don't know, just take a beat and say, you know what? Let me think about this for a moment. You don't have to fill the air with anything. You could take a beat. 
So from there, you'll get to understand, well, this is how I want to serve people. This is how I want to help people. When you're clear on that, the sales are easier because when you go into the sales conversation, you know exactly how you're going to help them. The second part is this fear of judgment, uh, fear of reject. There's a lot of fear, fear of judgment, fear of rejection. But at the end of the day, and I've done this work with literally thousands of people now over the last eight years that I've been running my business, the number one fear, usually subconscious, is I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I shared that with someone and I remember getting pushback and, and the woman was like, I know I'm, I'm good enough. And, and she was really fighting me. I'm not good enough shows up in other ways, just so you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not good enough could be like, I'm not lazy or, or I feel lazy or I feel like someone else could help. I feel like the offer isn't ready. Like my slides aren't pretty enough. So there's all these other things that we'll say are the issue, but it's really, I don't think I'm good enough. And because I don't think I'm good enough, nothing I create is going to be good enough. So we have to release number one, our emotional attachment to people's judgment, because the bottom line is that people are going to judge you, whether you are being your most authentic or whether you're being the fakest of the fake. And by the way, people don't like fake people. I don't know if you've noticed, but we we have all seen that one fake girl who comes in and she's like, hi, oh my gosh, yeah, totally. But you can see all over her face that she's fake mm-hmm. and it's, it's a repellent. So if you could get used to the fact that people are going to judge you, if you could get okay with that and recognize that you don't, you don't have to worry about their opinion of you. Because their opinion of you means nothing except what you make it mean. This actually reminds me of the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. For anybody who's listening, if you find yourself taking things personally all the time, uh, I can't recommend this book enough. And I mean, you're making really great points because I think that is what holds people back is, and they tell them the world and themselves stories about the situation to resist. What it really is, is resistance from having to feel their own unworthiness. So instead of of saying, I'm going to go do this and sit in that feeling of not being good enough, they resist it by saying, no, not this reason, not that reason. So I'm curious if somebody who's listening right now, whether they're in a company or they're an entrepreneur, really wants to have a different relationship with sales what are some tactical approaches or mindset approaches that you feel are so necessary as far as like breaking this down into some steps for everybody listening? Yes. So step one is to get intimately familiar with your offer and examine it, like just be super objective. So this is my offer. This is what I deliver. And you have to not just know that it's going to help someone, but you have to believe that it's going to help someone. And sometimes knowing and believing are two different things. And sometimes we know, but we don't really believe. And sometimes we believe, but we don't really know. And I want to challenge you to get to the place where you both know and believe that your offer can help someone. Now, what ends up happening when I challenge people to do this is like, yeah, but what about that one person? Like, The fact of the matter is that what we have is not going to help every single person. It's not. You have to be okay with that. But what you can lean on is the fact that it can help at least one person. And that one person that that it can help is the person that is on the sales call with you. 
Mm-hmm. It's the person that's looking at the offer. It's the person that's asking you for more details. So that's the first thing. The second part of it is removing your own story from the sale. For example, one of the things I hear all the time is, I feel like I can't charge X amount of dollars because I wouldn't pay that much or I don't have that much in my own bank account right now. So how can I ask them to pay that much? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, your bank account and their bank account are two different accounts. And you don't need the thing that you're offering. If you needed the thing that you were offering, you shouldn't be offering it. Okay? Like, let me make sure <laughs> you understand that. If you need your own product, you probably shouldn't be offering it. Now, with that being said, there's a little caveat. We should all be the first partakers of our offer. What I mean by that is before we sell it to anybody, put yourself through the program. Put yourself through the offer. How does it make you feel? Do you, like, does it light you up? Hey U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Once you go through your own process, then not only are you in alignment and in integrity, so you could actually sell it in good conscience, but it also gives you this sort of like uh, ammunition when you're on the sales call. You can say, look, I've done this on myself too. It's that good. And yes, occasionally I will dip back into it. I'll listen to my own stuff. You know, you could say that. But what I mean, you don't need it the way they need it. Okay. They need it to completely change their life, you need it for a tune-up. That's beautiful. And I also just can't help but look at what you're saying is removing your story from the sale. And what if people right now who are listening are in the workforce and they're like, I don't really believe in this company. That could be one of the hugest disconnects if they're in a sales job, if they're an ambassador to that brand. So would that just be an indicator? Like, hey, if you're a salesperson, you really can't work for a company that you don't believe in their product. Like, what do people do? Is that just an indicator that it's time for them to hop up on my job offer academy, shameless plug, I and love use it. my oh, course for that plug. to get yes. that new job? Like, what, what is your suggestion? Well, the first thing is I would ask myself, why do I not align with the company? Do I not believe in the company or do I not believe in the product? Because sometimes you believe in the product, but you're working for a shady company. And if that's the case, I'm all about speaking truth. So when you're on the sales call, you could say, look, I know you may have heard all these things, but let's just take the, let's just take that aside and let's just focus on the value of this widget and what this widget could do for your life, for your company, for your business. So that's one thing. Cause then you could say like, I don't really subscribe to them, but I, but I believe in this. And because I believe in this so much, I'm willing to put up with that. So that's the first thing, because you have to know yourself. Remember, I tell you, it all comes back to your identity. All comes back to that. Now, if you are like, look, I don't believe in the company. I don't believe in the product. Then, yes, you got to go, because the only way that you are really going to come to the sales call with an expectation to close the deal with a passion and excitement is if you believe in the offer. 
is if you believe in the thing. And what you have to understand is that when you're on a sales call, even if, because sometimes people do their sales electronically, you know, through email, through Facebook Messenger, Insta DMs or whatever, your energy, like you have to show up into those conversations with a level 12 on a scale of one to 10, right? Even level 15 of passion and enthusiasm and belief. If you can't do that, then you shouldn't be selling it. Okay, so this is good feedback. So, you know, get really clear on your offer, get intimate with your offer, remove your story from the sale. What's another step that everybody could take to become a better salesperson? Because by the way, this doesn't just apply to the workforce, this applies to yourself. Like you could say, step one, get familiar with your offer, get familiar with who you are in the world. Mm-hmm. And remove the story you have about whether it's good or bad. You know, this could be with friendship and mm-hmm. selling yourself as a friend, you know. To or even selling yourself to get a raise. Yeah, everything. So what, selling, is, yeah. what would be another step? Okay, so once you've taken your story out of the situation, you need to go in there with an attitude of expectation. Mm. And so it... it, it on anything, if it's going in to get a raise, going in to close a sale, you know, going in there on an interview, job interview, you have to walk in there like, I've got this. I've already got this. This is what's going to happen. And then you have to lead the witness. So the first thing I like to say is get more curious about them. Ask more questions about them. What I see people mess up in the sales process all the time is that they rush to give all this information like, when you get this, you're going to get this, you're going to get that, you're going to do this. And it's just too much. It's overwhelming for the buyer. They're already there. Chances are they're, they actually want to buy. If they're on the sales call, they're just waiting for you to give them that last little bit of permission. And the way that you get to give them that permission is by letting them tell you their story. It, as they hear their own story, they will sell it to you. They will sell it for you to themselves. Here's what I mean by that. And you say, so what's, you know, what's the real struggle? What's the pain point? What's not working for you? The minute you ask what's not working, they're going to tell you all the things. What would it look like if it was working? Now, when you ask that question, that's aspirational thinking. You're getting them to envision something. You're getting them excited about, you know, what could be possible. And then um, another question I like to ask is, so what's stopping you from doing something about it right now? Then they're going to give you all their objections. What they've just done is they've told you the pain that they're in, what they really want to be feeling, and why they might tell you no. So as that's happening, you need to be taking notes, mental notes, and preparing for, the, for overcoming these objections. Mm. Um, so when the objections, if the objection comes, let's say, I always bring it back to the pain, and I explain how my program is going to ease their pain. So I'll say, look, I heard you say that what's really not working is you're not closing sales. You have leads, people are coming in, but they're not taking action. And what I know for sure is that when you go through training session four of the Feel Good Sales Society, you are gonna have so many breakthroughs that the sale is gonna happen for you. Now, see what I did? I was very specific on where they're gonna get their answer. That's a really great strategic thing to do is because now it's not just I promise this is going to happen and there's some empty story. No, it's going to happen for you right here. Um, you know, if someone is maybe trying to transition into a career, a different career, I don't know your process, but I'm just going to wing yeah. it here. Right. So maybe I would say, look, the first two weeks we're going to work on identifying what you really want to do, 
looking at your resume. We are fleshing things out. But on week four, I'm going to show you how to actually create a winning presence in the interview room. And here are some of the things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about A, B, C, and D. How do you, how do you rate yourself in those areas right now? So the whole time, you're just letting them tell you all the issues. And what that does is that it reminds them that they have to change it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the final step is you close the deal. Now, let's say you can't close on the phone because they got to talk to powers that be or whatever. I always make a plan to follow up. Say, okay, so here's what's going to happen. You're going to go talk to whoever. You're going to make a decision. What are you most excited about us doing this together? So now I get them to tell me what the journey for us together is going to look like. That gets them already it gives them ownership of the experience. It's like, yeah, we're, we're definitely doing this, even though they haven't said yes. Then I'll say, okay, once, once you work it out, is it okay if I follow up with you tomorrow? What time would be best? So they'll tell me the time. I say, okay, once that happens, I'm going to send you an email. All the details are going to be in there. So I walk them through the next steps because I want them to visualize that this is happening. This is absolutely, this is already a done deal. Even though they said, I need to think about it. I need to talk about it. I'm assuming it's a done deal. When I hang up that call or when I close my lap, whatever, what the conversation ends, I go and I prepare the contract. I prepare anything that they're going to need to get started. And I have it ready because the minute we talk and they say, yes, they're going to get everything they need to execute. Where I see people lose the sale is they're not expecting the sale. And so then they say, okay, well, I'll go ahead and get our contracts. And it takes them a day or two. Then life happens. Then they get interrupted and they don't come back right away. And life has happened for the other person and they don't have the money or something happened. They, for whatever reason, got cold feet. Mm -hmm. And that actually happened to me one time, which is why I was like, wait a second. I will never make that mistake again. I had a client who was... Um, going to do a $10,000 coaching program with me. And she said, yeah, send me the invoice today um, for half for the down payment. And I said, okay, I got you, girl. I didn't do it right away. I went, life happened. I came back like two days later and she was like, hey, I'm so sorry. Something with my mother. Can we push back to January? And this was October. Where if I had just said to her, you got it. And I had done what I'm telling you to do, which is to be ready for the sale, be ready to close. Not only would she have followed through, but then I would have been able to help her mm-hmm. right there, make a change in her life. She would have had the money that she gave me plus more to do whatever else she needed. Well, And, you know, you and I both work in the transformation space. So for me, when somebody comes in and says, I've been stuck in my career, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I know how to help somebody figure that out and figure out what to do next. And, you know, it does blow my mind how many people will talk themselves out of something so important for them. So I know that we both know that we can provide a transformation. And I'm sure that for some people listening, it feels pushy to expect the sale too, you know, even though it's not. It's like if somebody's calling you because they want to be supported by what you give, then you're not being pushy. You're like ready to get to work. But at the same time, for anybody listening who feels like they're being pushy, what, how can you support them in seeing this a different yeah. way? So here's the thing. I'm not saying, okay, I heard you have to talk to your husband, but you and I both know this is a done deal. So I'm going to need you to go do the. I'm not telling them any of that. 
I'm saying, okay, I totally get it. If you need any other recommendations or if you want your husband to talk with the husbands of some of my other happy clients, let me know. I'm happy to put you in touch. But, you know, I'm just kind of wondering if he says yes and if this is a yes for both of you, what are you most excited about us doing together? And so there's a way to like, it's an if. So if he says yes, if we do this, what do you think about it? What gets you excited about it? And by the way, those aren't just strategies. I am genuinely curious. I genuinely want to know what they are excited about so that when we do work together, I exceed their expectations. Mm-hmm. When I'm on a call, I'm not just out there to get the sale. I'm out there to help them change their life. So I am expecting to change their life. It's not a bit, and that's why I told you, I gave you those steps in the beginning, because if you get comfortable with your identity, if you acknowledge that what you have is truly transformational, it's truly helpful, that idea of I'm being too pushy is not going to come in mm-hmm. on the call. Mm-hmm. What your, The thoughts that are going to be replaced in your mind is, man, I can really help this person. I really, I'm excited to help this person. I can't wait to work with this person because I already see what's possible for them when we work together. So then this gets me really excited for everybody listening who's in the workforce, because what I want to ask you is one of the most common questions I get is how to ask for a raise. This is a sales conversation. And I would love for everybody listening, if you could, and I know I'm throwing you a curveball, but probably not Mm -hmm. to go through some steps for somebody Mm -hmm. who's sitting here right now saying, you know what, I'm working three jobs in my one job, or they keep giving me more responsibility because studies show that the highest performer is usually rewarded with so much work that they can't even breathe. And Mm -hmm. so there's like a punishment to being a high performer. And so there's probably some people listening right now saying, I really want to ask for a raise. So what are some steps you can give everybody on how to go do that? Yes. And I was once in the workforce and I did ask for several raises. So I know exactly how to do that. And you were in the government, no less, which is the weirdest place to ask for a raise. That's a hard place to get a raise, but I got a raise there. Wow. That I I bow down. I got a raise in the GS system. What? Uh, I didn't. I left it. I became a contractor. I was like, I can't be in this. I got a raise. Um, I actually got two raises. What? Okay, guys, if you don't work in the government. And and because I asked, not because it was time. Yeah. So those of you who haven't done anything in the government, can I just tell you, there's like a pay band experience and Mm -hmm. basically salaries are at different pay levels and like you're pretty locked in. I actually don't know anyone who's ever like asked for a raise in the government and gotten it. I only have seen people get raises when they're promoted into the next pay level. So, okay, you're obviously an expert on this. What can everybody do right now to get a raise? Okay, so the first thing that you're going to do is you have to keep a good record of your performance. And it's something I see people not do. Like, you think your boss is paying attention to all the things that you're doing and they're keeping a brag. They're not. You have to have your own brag file. Because what your boss is more than likely keeping a record of are your wrongs, not your rights. And so you need to remind them how valuable you are. So that's the first step. Assemble all the great things. If you've produced like great content for them, um, briefs, whatever, like put it all together. Then the next thing that you're going to do is you're going to ask for a meeting with your direct supervisor to talk about your performance outside of the performance review. 
And it's going to go something like, I know it's not performance review time, but I really wondered if we could spend maybe just like 15 minutes. I have some thoughts that I want to run by you and I want to make sure that my performance is on par with your expectation. If your boss says no, then like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Then just be relentless until they say yes. Keep going until they say yes. Eventually they will. Well, a good question would be, well, what would it take for you to be interested in that sort of meeting? Yeah. Okay. Beautiful question. So then when you go in the meeting, you're going to say something to the effect of like, thank you so much. I'm so glad we have this opportunity. I wanted to talk to you because what I'm noticing is, and what I like to do is I like to look for the gap that's happening in the workforce. Um, so I'll just give you the example of when I was, uh, the first time I asked for a raise, I said, I want to talk to you because actually the second time was a better story. Um, cause it was a real long shot. So this is, uh, so anyway, so I said, um, Hey, Mr. M that was my boss's name. I said, so here's the deal. I am noticing that there's a gap between what, I'm going to just make up Mindy. I'm going to make up fake names just in case they listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't want Mr. M listening yeah. to the U-turn yeah, podcast <laughs> this um, random Wednesday. <laughs> he might be. Anyway, so I said, um, I'm noticing that there's a gap between what Mindy, Lynn, and I do. And I have some ideas to fill it. But first, I just want to check in with you and see what you have thought about my performance over the last 90 days. Is there anything that I haven't done? Is there anything that you have really um, been excited about me stepping up on? Because now we're getting, like, he's getting to track back and, and re- remember all the things. So he'll say all the good things and then say, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. I also wanted to remind you that I have been able to do and say one or two things that you've done for the, the, the unit that's been really good. What did you think about that? And then I asked them, because again, you want to get them talking. The more they're praising you, when you go in for the kill of the, like, what are they going to say? You just spent 15 minutes praising me. So um, I said, so I noticed that there's a gap. He told me all the things. And I said, so I was actually thinking that maybe it's time we rewrote the position description for my job. And he looked at me kind of funny. He was like, where are you going with this? I said, well, we have a gap. I'm obviously meeting your expectations. I am doing all the right things. And you know, and I know that we need these three, it was like three little things that weren't getting done. But I just want to keep it real. And I always used to talk to him like that. So there was like very Mm -hmm. little professionalism. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just want to keep it real with you, Mr. M., I have already stepped up well above my pay grade. And I think you and I both know that it's time for this position to be rewritten. I've already taken the liberty to draft up a new position description for your review. And I'm happy to step up and take these additional responsibilities if we can make this happen. Mm. And he looked at me like, holy shit. No one had ever done it. Yeah. No, and he looked at me. You doing something no one's ever done, Rachel? No. <laughs> and he said, that's a good idea. I don't think that we're going to get it to pass. I said, well, that's okay. I think we should still try. Are you, can we still try? And he was like, you know that you're going to have to apply for your own job again. 
I said, I know. He said, well, what if someone beats you? Because in the government, when you redo a position description, I mean, basically, I was about to lose my job if someone else. And I said, well, I understand that, but I'm also the one writing the position description. So I know what my web resume is going to need to say. And you already know I'm here. It's going to cost the government a lot more money to bring on somebody new and put them through the security clearance and all these other things. Like this is actually going to save you money in the long run. Mm -hmm. So can we get this started? And we did. And we got, it took about 90 days. So it took time. It wasn't like I got this raise right away, but then I jumped a Um, two steps. Oh my God, that's unheard of. You know what's so funny I used to say about the government is like nobody gets fired, they just get reassigned. You know, like if you have somebody that's not performing in your branch, because I had somebody at the Pentagon where... I would look across the office and I'd have like triple the amount of work because that person didn't get it done and I managed the team and I couldn't let them go. So I just, the government, when it gets really bad, they're like, oh, she's not working out. Okay, let's put her in a different bureau. So it's kind of like, oh God, but I'm so impressed that you allowed yourself to go through this. And everybody listening in the post show notes, I am going to talk to you, you know, in this conversation um, and Rachel, I don't know if you know this, but after every conversation, I, I talk about what I've learned. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go even deeper on what we just talked about on how to ask for a raise because I love what you just opened up for everybody. And I know a lot of you are probably like, shit, I'm not in the government. Like, how do I still do this? But I think you gave a lot of practices, Rachel, on like how to get really clear on like what are your achievements? What is the gap? And being able to ask. And obviously in the workforce, there's some people who are in super button up jobs where you can't look at your boss and be like, let's be real, even though I have sometimes done that. And so I want to... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but so I've done it in other settings too. um, And I've also helped clients get big raises and no, right. That's just my style. Exactly. At the end of the day, if you do your due diligence, because the other part that I didn't mention, because government is kind of different, but go look out there and see what the average person doing your job is making and make sure that when you come into the negotiation table, you say like, look, I know that in this area, people with my experience are making this much. And I've, I've done everything that you've asked of me. And I'm just curious to know, what can we do? What kind of agreement can we come together? This is what I'd like. This is a starting point. I'm open to negotiation. Yes. And I always come in over what I want. Yes. Because you got there's got to be some flexibility and wiggle room within that for you. And just be very, you can't, now here's the thing. You can't go in there meek. Yeah. You have to go into the conversation very strong and sure of what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And then remind them, like, I am, this is where I'm at. I'd like to stay. Where are we? Mm-hmm. You know, you've just given so much for everybody listening. As far as like structure goes, you're obviously so brilliant at this. And I think we're all probably even play around as like giving people right now, once you guys tune in, even more tools as far as like words you can say. Because I think a lot of the times mm-hmm. with sales and with asking, um, people get mm-hmm. blocked with what to say. It's like they know what they yeah. want, but they don't know how to say it. And so I think with you, you're just so real talk that you're able to get by on this. And I think um, for those of us who are scared and we feel meek when we walk in the room, which God, like sometimes I 
think of you, Rachel, and part of your charm is I'm like, did this woman just come out of the womb, like, shining with amazing I'm scared, too. Yeah, so that's the thing, is that you're scared, but you do it anyway. And uh, this reminds me a lot of this guy, Dan Sullivan, who uh, had coached me before. He said, fear is wetting your pants. And he said, courage is doing what you're supposed to go do with wet pants. Yep. Yeah, and, and I wet pants are wet all the time. Yeah, I got wet pants, girl. Well, this has I been amazing. It. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, come and hang out with me at rachelluna.biz. You can also download the first chapter of my upcoming book at girlconfident.com. And I mean, I do just want to just put this one little thing out there. I am scared. I'm, I literally do scary things in my business every single day. There are times when I'm so scared I I throw up, like the, the fear, the nerves, but I never let that stop me. And I, I mean, there, there were times when I had conversations with Mr. M where I would be pushing the envelope and I would stand my ground and then I would go to the bathroom and cry. Mm-hmm. But like, you just have to recognize that you have a gift. You have something special. You have been empowered Uh, at such a deep level. And it's a disservice to everybody, both in the corporate space and the entrepreneurial space. It's a disservice to the entire planet to have you hiding and dimming your light because you're afraid you're going to blind people. They could get a pair of shades. (laughs) Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so lucky to be friends with you. Thank you so much for serving you too. This is so fun. Hey, it's Ash here, and I am just reflecting on this episode with Rachel Luna. She is so much fun, and she really, like, is the real deal. Like, I just love who she is. And one of the things that I kind of thought I would add to this is just the mindset that I have as a career coach when it comes to sales, because I have some things to share with you when it comes to sales as it relates to the workforce. I also have some thoughts on it as it relates to entrepreneurship. If you're an entrepreneur or if you're thinking about having a side hustle, So let's start with the workforce. Um, One of the biggest things that I think job seekers that I've found, you know, having coached so many on how to get a job or how to figure out what they want to do in the workforce, one of the things that I think is a huge value add that makes you very indispensable because I think one of the most important things in your career in the workforce is to figure out how can you be indispensable, how can you provide extraordinary value Um, I think one of the most important things is really seeing yourself as a business development person, even if that's not the job you were hired for. So if you're a marketing person, if you're an admin assistant, et cetera, et cetera, I think there's such a value in seeing yourself also as a business development person because it's more important than ever that you are able to add value to the bottom line of the company. And what adds value more than continuing to expand the existence of the company through sales? So what does that look like? That looks like um, it doesn't mean you need to make a project out of getting your company clients or signing new accounts. What it does mean is just to go through the world being very receptive for opportunities that align with your company and with an awareness that you are an ambassador to whatever brand you work for. So if you're a marketing person or whatever have you at your company and you're out in a, at a happy hour, it's like coming up with an, a constant awareness of who is your company's ideal client 
And how can you start giving out your business card and saying, hey, we should talk. You would really, my company is probably a good fit for you. Let me know if you want me to connect you like for a conversation. I think just getting a natural ease about you where you have an awareness of number one, who is your company's ideal client? And number two, when you're talking to that person, it doesn't mean you need to be networky and pushy or have an agenda. It just means walking around the world with an openness. It doesn't mean you need to be assertive, but just an openness to who's talking to you. Oh, they might be a fit for your company. So that's the first thing. And that's the quickest path, I would say, to being indispensable in your company because nothing is going to blow a CEO or a COO you know, or your manager's mind more than someone who isn't hired for sales, but ends up making a difference in their bottom line. Um, I had an employee a long time ago who won uh, some business over at Ashley International that was so massive that she literally paid for her own salary that year. And I just gave her this crazy bonus because I was just so grateful. And I saw her forevermore with a level of respect and understanding and through a lens that ended up inspiring me to give her bigger opportunities and help her grow and support her and stand by her. And I think that is one of the most powerful things you could do for your career. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately, you know, having created the Job Offer Academy where so many job seekers have used my course to land job offers, I have this acute awareness that job hunting is really sales as well. And so one thing that I want to make you aware of is I think if you want to change your life or you want to make an impact on your life, there's a level of sales that is involved in that. And we're constantly selling. Like if you've told somebody that you went to an amazing restaurant and they have to go and they go, that's a sale. Um, there's no money exchanged on your between the two of you, but you ended up transferring a belief that you had into their mindset and they were able to buy into it. And in a clean way with integrity. So I think we're all salespeople in some way or another. And my secret to having a really inspiring life for me is to walk around the world with the question. And I do this all the time, especially when I want to create more inspiration in my life, is where can I go create magic? Where can I go have more conversations? Um, I have found that the magic in my life is directly tied to the amount of conversations I'm having. And it doesn't mean you need to push yourself, but it does mean to start to check in. Are you making yourself available to have conversations on a day-to-day -day basis? Because everything starts and ends with a conversation. That might mean that, like, are you on your phone in line at the coffee shop? Are you on your phone when you're walking your dog? Maybe it's time for you, if you want to create more magic in your life, to say, I'm going to kind of put down the phone a little bit for the next week and I'm going to just set the intention to be receptive to having conversations. I cannot tell you how many bathroom lines, how many Ralphs like at the grocery store in the peanut butter aisle, like <laughs> how many magical things have happened because I'm just in a receptive energy and end up having a conversation with someone that translates into some sort of magic in my life. So I would say if you just start to become available to have more conversations, that can change your life. That's something I tell job seekers all the time, or even people who join me in my career clarity lab course, all about how to figure out what to do in the workforce. You know, one of my biggest things I tell them is that you're going to figure this out through engagement. And a lot of engagement when it comes to figuring out what your purpose is or what you want to do in the workforce is through conversations with people. So, and I think that ties back to sales. The more conversations you're having, the more receptivity you have, the more you can sell yourself with integrity and with authenticity. And entrepreneurs who are listening, um, just remembering that until you have a, a steady pipeline of income, you are the chief business development sales officer of your company. That's your biggest responsibility because if you don't have sales, your company is just a hobby and that's not what I want for you. So 
Um, those of you who are trying to land that new job, I hope you check out our free course at uturnpodcast.com slash job. Those of you who are trying to figure out what you want to do in the workforce, hopefully you check out our free course at uturnpodcast.com slash clarity. And business owners, um, shameless plug, obviously, if you want to learn how to establish your business and start getting clients, uturnpodcast.com slash biz is our free course, B-I-Z. And I'm just so honored to connect with you. I'm so excited about this podcast episode because sales is so important. And I just wish you all of the joy this week. And I can't wait to connect soon. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at uturnpodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has down the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.